Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. You're listening to Room 104, and uh, on evenings like this, we like to bring on some of the com- or some of the country's best comedians to talk about, s- unfortunately, some of the the worst gigs that they've just had to do over the course of their careers. Yeah, I've never experienced this before. I am going to though, because in January I'm going to start my stand-up uh, show. Are you? Yeah, as I said, I'm going to get people to book the tickets beforehand. Oh, you, know what you could call it Small Talk with Sir Long. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Okay, it's not my fault that my mom smoked when she was pregnant. This might be just a genetic thing. Uh, Maybe. Uh, But yeah, no, I haven't experienced that before. But some comedians I've gone to see and I have never thought they've messed up at all. And then afterwards you'd hear someone that might have known them saying, oh. More stories. Yeah. They're always way better crack. I saw him one time and he just got sick on the stage. It was that bad. (laughs) Uh, So this is where we just, you know, like to have a bit of chat about the train wrecks that some bad gigs can be because they're much more crack anyway. You know what I mean? Instead of going, it was really good. The setup was amazing. The punchline just really hit. It was amazing. (laughs) No, no, no. We want the hell stories. And I'm delighted to say joining us today is one of the uh, country's best known comedians. You'll know him as Eamon. From Bridget Naaman, he's been on the Love Republic it. of Telly, he's been all over the shop, and he's got a brand new book out, which we'll be chatting about a little bit later as well. Bernard O'Shea, sir, how are you? It's good. I, I'm kind of being introduced as the ambassador for shitty comedy. <laughs> <laughs> now, in fairness, I love Bridget Naaman. I watch it all the time. Yeah, I watch brilliant. it on repeat all the time. Yeah, and yeah. you are just hilarious. Yeah. And I, I say that to my kids. Uh, my wife says, like, when I'm out, now that I'm out, I, I suppose I'm not at home at night as a as I used to be, uh, she said, like, you know, you're not seeing the kids enough. They put on RT2. Bridget name is bound to be repeated. <laughs> now, can I just ask before we get into it, is the Christmas special that you did, Bridget and Eamon's, that Christmas special, is that like your house at home? Pro- yeah, at the moment it is, yeah. Three kids is just like, the third <laughs> kid is now, is only like, he could be carrying a Stanley knife around the house. Like, ah, <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He'll be grand. He'll be okay. He sorts himself out. My stand-up career has been 50% mediocre, 50% absolutely horrific. And that's so, the highest percentage we've ever had on the yeah, show, Bernard, let's yeah. be honest. It's rare that a comedian would ever go by without dreadful, dreadful gigs. Like, one of my worst ones was when I was about 22 or 3, and David McSavage said to me, yeah, you're a culture, yeah, you should, uh, do you know what you should do? I, uh, you should, do you know what, the late, late warm-up is be perfect for you. And he was doing the late, late warm-up, and he said, yeah, you're a culture, you, you'd be brilliant at this. And he brought me out, in fairness to him, he was very, very good. He brought me out 23, 24, for the first time ever out to RTE, 
to do the warm-up for the Late Late Show. And it went so bad. Because <laughs> when I was 23, 24, I thought I was like, you know, oh, God, comedy jokes are so beneath me. Mm. Like, I don't do jokes. Actually, I should get a round of applause just for talking about dodgy topics. And I was, I was a bit like that. And it was, went so bad that a woman in her about mid-60s, maybe 70, I could see her walking down to the bleachers, to the stalls where they sit. She started coming towards me. I was thinking, this is odd. And she took the microphone off me and oh, went, no. that's enough now. <laughs> <laughs> so just oh, to put it in context, this was when there was no YouTube or uh, Instagram. So basically television was it. Yeah. Right? So, mm. so, And I was 24 going, I've blown it. I'll never work in television ever again. Now, Bernard, was this when Pat Kenny was uh, the host? This was when Pat Kenny was the host. Oh, that, that says it all, yeah. 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 So, no, 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 there's an important, this is really, something really odd happened, right? So, there was a brilliant floor manager there who passed away now, but he was a really nice guy called Dara. And he was one of the, he, he was basically, if you ever wanted me to floor manager to put you at ease, it would be him. And he was really nice about it. And I said, oh, God. I said, well, how bad was that? And he goes, um, well, I've never seen that happen before. <laughs> and I was going, oh, Jesus. And it was when Pat was presenting, I said, I said this to Pat recently. He basically, they used to, now when you do the late, late, there's a kind of a zigzag and you come out kind of from behind the desk. But whatever way they had the, the stage set up then, it was a fairly long walk onto the set. Mm. And his first guest that night was Claudia Schiffer, right? Yeah. And I remember walking off and there was about maybe a bevy of about six or eight people around her and you do Late Late Show people and Pat was on live going, welcome to Late Late Show, blah, blah. And Max Savage, Dave turned to Claudia Schiffer and said, jokingly, hey, Claudia, why don't you call me anymore? Right? <laughs> to which all the Irish crew were going, Dave, off, you know, piss off. And he said, hey, Claudia, do you look, look what Irish men look like. And he grabbed me and he pointed me towards her, right? <laughs> and she burst out laughing, right? <laughs> and I remember, I remember being delighted and also a bit pissed off, right? <laughs> Years later, I was writing this Finnish Irish thing and basically based on that little moment where it's called Polar Opposites and it's where I'm doing the warm up for a. Irish chat show and I get a beautiful Finnish model mm. pregnant that night almost accidentally <laughs> in terms of we get absolutely drunk and she so basically it's kind of like a northern European modern family right? yeah. it's all the couples in it are polar opposites and it's set in Lapland but basically the gem of the idea came from possibly the worst gig I've ever had the second worst gig I've ever had <laughs> was in Port Leash Prison oh <laughs> oh and it was really common to do prison gigs. I still think it is. There's a, there was a great gig in Mount Joy. There was a gig in Port Leash, and I think there was a gig in Cork. I'm not sure. So there were regular enough gigs, <coughs> and you'd be invited in, and there were always good gigs. But I was invited into, do, into Port Leash, and I just remember they just didn't go for me at all. At all. Well, that was probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, if you go for yeah. in prison, sometimes you're not coming yeah. out. <laughs> I, I remember even the prison officer in the room going, do you want to finish up? <laughs> and, and I was going, adamant I'd get a laugh, you know? Yeah. And uh, nothing, zero. And at the end of the room, a guy at the school with came in, he played football for Leash, Joe Higgins, a lovely guy. And the Leash had won the Leinster Championship, so that'll tell you how long ago this was, right? <laughs> so I thought, here's my chance to be funny. 
And I went down to him and I said, oh, I went to school with Joe, played a bit of football with Joe, how are you getting on? And he was a bit cold with me, to be honest with you, and I was a bit pissed off with him, yeah. right? And then afterwards, a couple of prisoners and a prison officer and Joe, we went down to the canteen for some tea and sandwiches. I thought he was a bit off with me, you know? So I was talking to him or trying to talk to him, and he left. He said, oh, take care of yourself, good luck now. You know, like, I thought, what was his problem? And I was living in a bed sit in Eccles Street in North Inner City Dublin, just off Dorset Street yeah. for years, right? And I remember I woke up one morning at three o'clock in the morning with this about, about two months later and went, oh, he, he thought I was in prison. <laughs> Oh. He, he thought I was a prisoner. So that's why he kept saying she'd look after you. He was probably looking at you going, what did he do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was out probably saying to his friends, Bernard O'Shea is important. He's prison. That's magic. That's brilliant. Yeah. How, come here, how many, I thought it was prison gigs. We chatted to one or two people before who've done them in Mount Joy and I'm always fascinated. Like, how many people were in that room that you were gigging to? How many prisoners? That was small. Enough. That was about 23, 24. Mount Joy is a much bigger gig. It, it, done that once or twice and that's with maybe two or three hundred prisoners and that's, that's it's just a normal gig you know it's just you don't uh, get a breakdown of the crimes that the lads have committed in the room yeah. which is just oh, like, some Whoa. of them would yeah absolutely some of them would just now I just I, I generally just get up at, at any gig and just do my stuff yeah but yeah some would be talking away you'd be kind of going you know it'd be funny like if it just you know it's just another gig you know we gig you know you gig where you gig you know yeah. you just you know <laughs> it's it just a gig go and you take it you do it and uh yeah, you might, it's you know it's very similar to doing a corporate gig where you kind of go if everybody's working for I don't know Apple, <laughs> you know what I mean? You go they'll have jokes about Apple if if everybody's working if you, if I did a gig for FM one hundred four everyone would be talking about radio. If you're in the prison, people just talking about the stuff that's happening. You know, it's it's not as odd as it actually sounds the first time you hear it I suppose but I can but, imagine uh, your content would have to be altered a little bit and then you're going are they going to take this personally any couples in oh no wait hang on <laughs> <laughs> no I'd never change it I'd never change what I do there's no point do you know what I mean like, yeah. like I suppose you look at an audience and you think you know yeah they'll be all from one place like I said like if you did a radio gig they'd be all in radio but like sometimes but then within them you have two or three hundred individuals so do you know what I mean? Like there's some basic things like everybody has been on a bus or everybody has, you know, I don't know, stubbed their toe or, you know, shat their pants in the Westport train. I don't know. <laughs> but like, you know, like, no. but, you know, but like, you know, there's something like, you know, we are, we are upright hominids. We're bound yeah. to have something in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, there are two interesting ones. Is there any other ones that um, are, are worth mentioning here in the uh, therapy session that is my worst gig? Well, this wasn't my worst gig, but it was one of definitely the most bizarre gigs I've ever done. Where we would do a lot of the work, I suppose, where I used to basically, I would say, live was in the international bar upstairs. And Des Bishop and Aidan Bishop mm. ran the Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. And like literally myself and a few other comedians, Colin McDonald, and we used to live on the stairs. Mm. <laughs> you know? But during that, I tried to run a gig in Wheelands. And there's, there is, a, I've never done it, uh, but there is a great, apparently a great gig down there now on Monday yeah Pop the Cherry but, Cherry oh, Comedy yeah. yeah yeah. but I used to do a gig in the band room now upstairs now it's all cool and funky and but there used to be a little band room upstairs which is the size of say a, a little bit better than a box room and Kevin the bar manager there he set it up and my friend would do the door and you'd get about 30 people in hmm. right and yeah it used to be on a Sunday night and below us where the musicians would play. 
So if Paddy Casey or if Mundy or if uh, Declan O'Rourke walked in, it was game over. No one would come upstairs to the comedy. Yeah. So I'd literally be outside and if I saw anyone come in, I'd go, you know, piss off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So they'd come upstairs and so it was going fine but then you'd have some good nights and some bad nights but I remember one night it was nine o'clock I had to get started and there was one girl <coughs> and I said to her uh, oh I'm sorry about this and she said oh I'm waiting for my, I'm waiting on my boyfriend and I went do you mind if I do my gig and she went fine I did 45 minutes in front of one person right <laughs> and her boyfriend showed up at about 10 to 10 and I did another 40 minutes with the Oh, would you stop? I was just going to ask, would you ever do a stand-up comedy gig with one person there? Well, watching? There Absolutely. There Unbelievable. In Edinburgh, in Edinburgh, it's a common occurrence. That's magic. Did she laugh? Yeah, but it's more kind of hypercritical. You know, it's like, what do you think of that bit? Yeah, I like the bit where it went. <laughs> you know I mean? so, You're there with like but, a whiteboard or a flip yeah. chart. Okay, okay, let's just work through it. Bit Listen, by bit. It's a lot easier to do a comedy gig in front of one person who wants to be there as opposed to a thousand people who don't want to be there. Very you know true, I mean? yeah. You know, so like, uh, it can be odd, but you're just, you know, you're tra- it's like, um, is, it, is it the Marines or what do you call those um, Green Berets that are, they're, they're, your training just kicks in. <laughs> you just keep going. You know, yeah. it's, uh, your muscles, all everything just, you don't know, I don't know, I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah, there you go. Automatic reflexes. You're like just yeah, grilled yeah. into it. How, switch into autopilot, and there you go. Yeah, that's it. And and then there'd be some odd ones where you know, sometimes corporates can be very very difficult. I don't know if you've had comedians on time for that. They can be like they can bring you into a whole world of of ridiculousness, and uh, and also they can be brilliant. But one of the oddest ones I've definitely done was a long long time ago on a boat. And um, I just remember it was a boat docked in Dublin on the river and it was a corporate and there was a raffle as well. And I remember as I was doing my stand up, it was just going, it was just so bad. And I begged, I begged the woman to do the raffle. I begged her and she wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> so anytime I go to do a corporate now, I say, if there's a raffle, I am doing it. <laughs> that would at least give me something to do. Something to fall back on. People, yeah, yeah. Always, so there is a word of advice. If you're getting into showbiz, always say, I'm doing the raffle. Okay, that's a good note. We're, we're, Not that I'll ever probably be at that point. We'll but, write um, that down yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll make a note of it. Uh, Bernard, they've been some cracking ones. I, we do enjoy them a lot. We, we obviously can't let you go without talking about um, the book, which is aptly named, which you've released, oh. My Wife is Married to a Feckin' Egypt. <laughs> I think it's just yeah. a biography. So basically, I'm kind of a... It sounds graduate to say this, but like, it's, it's completely true. Like two or three years ago, I was having an argument with my wife and I saw her later writing stuff and I said, what are you writing? She said, look, I'm married to a Feckin' Egypt. I have to write these things down. And I said, so I just thought it was funny. I said, you know, you should, you should register that as a website. Right? Like, married to com. And she did. Oh, did she? The she did not. Yeah. So, That's brilliant. Um, and did nothing with it, of course. And then years, two years later, very boringly, as the literary agent in the agency that I'm in, ran me and said, look, Gil Books would love to meet you. They want to talk to you. And I went and spoke to them. They said, have you any ideas? And I said, no. I said, I'd love to, I write a lot of comedy, I write a lot of scripts and I write a lot of, but I've never written prose or stories. And I said, have you any ideas? And I went, no. And then we just were talking and I said, you know, my wife has a list of all these idiotic things I've done. And I I, I said, like, she calls it, I'm married to an Egypt, right? And uh, the editor, the chief editor went, that's it. That's your book. That's your book. Amazing. So your wife is to thank for this. Yeah. 
But she's not getting a penny, though. <laughs> <laughs> unless, there's, unless there's a tax credit involved. No, but, uh, the, uh, but that was it. And people keep asking me, oh, come on, how did the book go? And I go, that's it. I went home. I asked her, could I see, you know, like, you know, I, I'd seen the list because she, she, she has this kind of blue diary thing that, yeah. is, that she, now, it's not her personal diary. It's like stuff like, you know, vaccinate kids, stuff like that. And, um, <laughs> and uh, Bernard get neutered, stuff like that. So, <laughs> and there was about, she had about 28 things written down. I didn't remember half of them. And it was like, uh, so that, and that was the book. And I've done so many interviews now and people just go, but how, um, where did the book come? And th- I go, that's the book. She wrote yeah. the 28 stories down. That's the book. It's too complicated to come up with <laughs> another rationale. And that's the book. And uh, it's... Uh, and it's unique to you. Well, I think, yeah. But I think it's, um, it's amazing now with Instagram. It's phenomenal. But you can get uh, people getting back to you, like, instantly, you know. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I only realized on Instagram about last week or the week before that when you go into your messages, there is requests. Yeah. <laughs> And there was like 800 and something requests or something. I was going, holy shit, what's this? And I was going through it all. A lot of it is like, you know, have you a small willy? This, you know? but like, you know, it's generic but, Instagram messages. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but it was about a good 50 to 60 ones about the book. I bought this from my husband. My husband did this as well. I can't believe this happened. I was like, oh, Christ, why did I have this thing? switched off right? I, I use Instagram an awful lot I, I do about three or four posts a week nearly but I didn't I don't really I still don't 100% understand oh wait till you get to TikTok man Ooh, oh I haven't gone to that yet I'm still trying to blown. get through my requests folder <laughs> yeah sometimes then, Bernard when you're a girl it's not as good as when you're a guy you know why because they're asking you do you have a small penis but they're showing me their small penis <laughs> alright okay <laughs> <laughs> and what, is it called TikTok or what? <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> There's your next idea for your app. Go in and we're going to give you 500 million for this app, TikTok. <laughs> you know what is that? Like, like I don't know about I. I know Cormac from Kilkenny and stuff like that. Like he seems a reasonable human being. Well, you know, I would like to count myself as somewhat normal. I do not understand for the life of me. Like, when did it become the norm? When did it become normal to send pictures of your penis to anybody? I think once you took out the pharmacist uh, who had to go through your photos, you know, he had to print them off on a camera yeah. and hand you back the packet <laughs> going, you disgusting human being. <laughs> now you can do it without anyone else knowing. Well, but, except for the person you send it to. Because so yeah. uh, my friends, are one or two, they're in relationships now, but like for years I was the youngest and I was married and... My friend would always say, never ask a married man for relationship advice because they know nothing mm. uh, about really And I was, that's so true, you know. But even even me, I would go, and I've been with two and a half women my whole life, <laughs> right? And I, even I would go, I don't think that's a good move. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah, there's about 10% of you that know that it's not a good move, and the rest, I swear to God. Uh, this, this seems like a great idea. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's have because a Because it doesn't get... It has to be a gender thing, because it, I never hear of guys getting pictures of ladies front bottom no no and I, I think you'd probably be fine with that for the most part oh god we'd, we'd be shocked and horrified I was harassed by more boob pictures being sent to me <laughs> just when will, it, when will it ever end but come here Bernard we have to uh, we have to wrap up and move on your book right. My Wife is Married to a Feckin' Idiot I take it it's out in Easton's and all decent bookstores and online yes yes 
and there are no pictures of willies in it. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> but except for the limited edition one. <laughs> Signed copy. <laughs> There's a weird I way you could them. sign it. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Bernard O'Shea, yeah. thanks a million for popping Thank on Myra's gig. guys. Thanks for having me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.